0: The world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. time has come. All
1: will be accounted for. we will up. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes. We were always meant to be. You know, you know what uh, Teddy Roosevelt said. Uh, uh, Speak softly and carry a big mic. <laughs>
0: Oh boy. <laughs> this is the Superhuman Registration Podcast. Nominally, we are here to talk about the stories that you can find by reading Marvel comics, potentially via an application such as Marvel Unlimited. Practically we are here to just listen to the worst jokes in the world by one Aldo hey. <laughs> I yeah, I don't
2: think that's fair. Aldo has a really good, you know, ratio of like you know, solid jokes to uh, just absolute, absolute stinkers.
1: I feel like I have the same ratio of good and bad jokes as we have a good ratio of bad and good Spider-Man comics. Ooh. I think
0: that might be a little bit hard on yourself because I feel like we're <laughs> almost 50-50. Yeah,
1: that's,
2: that's, I, I'd give you at least 70-30.
1: I throw out a lot of jokes, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If anything, I feel I feel like fifty fifty is probably a
0: little too gracious. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Spider Man, though, he's in one of our stories. Yeah, he tonight. is. Although this isn't a Spider Man focused episode, this would actually be weirdly a. I guess it's a it's a it's a Wolverine focused episode, which I don't know that we've ever really done before.
2: We did his uh, solo, like you know the the. Uh chris claremont and frank miller run you know because we're a
0: comics oh podcast. yeah but i don't remember what the book the other book there was i don't think it was a wolverine book regardless no. we're, we're read we read two wolverine team-up books of surprising caliber yeah. yes interested to talk about these because they're they're very very different from one another and yet somehow Huh, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know. We'll just have to get into it. Where do we want to start? We've got Wolverine's team up with Gambit or Wolverine's team up with Spider-Man.
2: I can summarize Wolverine and Gambit Victims, I believe is the full title. Hold on.
0: That's correct.
1: The the question is do you want to do it first or
0: Let's start with Victims.
1: Yeah,
2: it's a shorter story. Um this is uh, I am a fan of the the this team up, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, who are credit is co-storytellers when they do this. Jeff Loeb does the words. Tim Sale does the pictures. Um, Gregory Wright did the colors. Malibu's Hughes did the separations. That's referring to the four-color process in comics. Um, I don't know what the job would be separate from Gregory Wright. Um, possibly... I, I don't know what the, what the difference would be uh, in this situation. Um, Tim Sale, if you weren't aware, um, is color was colorblind. He passed away last summer, unfortunately. and so maybe there was an extra step. I don't know. So here we have Gambit going to London after an acquaintance of his is murdered, a police constable who he has a, a past with, a little a little crush from both, you know, she liked him, he liked her. Uh, She's been murdered. It turns out the um, most likely suspect is Wolverine. So the two of them team up to find out who's really responsible. Turns out the X-Men villain Arcade has uh, murdered someone and is committing more murders to cover it up with the help of Mastermind, who is actually the daughter of Jason Wingard, the original Mastermind, uh, Martinique Jason. And yeah, they go through different uh, illusions of their past, go through their own struggles, and then figure out that Arcade is involved. Turns out he lied to Mastermind to get her involved. So she's still a villain. She still doesn't like the X-Men, but she's pissed at him. So traps uh, Arcade in his own memories of this woman. Then we get the last panel here. He's haunted by this woman that he murdered that he had a relationship with that went went too far and turned to murder so i'm a i'm a fan of tim sale i think it's a big loss that uh, he's no longer with us i know that some of this team up is you know some of these team ups are better than others but i really i really like this one what did you guys think
0: surprised i think is the word that i have to say for this one i was surprised at how much i liked it yeah Um, cause I hear, you know, nineties Wolverine and Gambit team up and I'm like, okay, this is just going to be pure filler. And I think from like a, like, I don't know that I would call this a hidden gem in the sense that this is like a go out and must read. But at the same time, if you like Gambit, you should read this book. Yeah. Yeah. Like Wolverine's almost a non entity in it, really. This is a Gambit book, and he's a surprisingly interesting character in it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I actually looked this up on Goodreads because I'm starting to track the comics that we read for the podcast on Goodreads in as much as possible. And there are a lot of folks who commented that they didn't like the way that Tim Sale draws Gambit in this book. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's really good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No, it's not the typical way that he's portrayed, but it's distinct. It makes him look sneaky. And it, I don't know, it fits his character really well. I, yeah. Shock this up to being a, just a surprise now i got issues with it and we'll obviously get into them because otherwise we would be you know not having a podcast but yeah all in all i would say i'm actually pretty positive on this book
1: yeah all done i liked it but i was a little underwhelmed by it I, I don't know uh for me it's, it just kind of i can't really put into words why i was underwhelmed with it because by all accounts i i did quite enjoy it I did like it. I liked the mystery aspect of it. Honestly, I think it might have been the whole arcade thing. I think that might have ruined it for me. Oh. Hey, it's one of the problems I have with the book.
2: Yeah, don't worry about putting it into words, Aldo. This isn't an audio podcast or anything. You can just, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can just do an interpretive dance. Yeah,
1: no, you can, uh, listen, I'll just say it's, you know, the it's, it's too much for words and I'll let you draw it out. <laughs> there you go. The Marvel method works, but <laughs> no part of what I was saying though is honestly I think it's a little bit the arcade aspect of it. I don't know why, but for the type of mystery that we were dealing with, a little bit of like Jack the Ripper with with Gambit kind of going over to London and you know investigating all this stuff and the mind loss uh, Wolverine is suffering from and like the dreams. To me, it felt like arcade wasn't really all that necessary. And granted, I don't know that he is considered the main villain as much as the The woman that was with him, whose name I also just forgot.
2: Mastermind.
1: Yeah, Mastermind. I don't know, I I wasn't that happy with the aspect of Arcade's involvement in this. But prior to that, and I guess an exception of Arcade, I did quite like the book. I did like the art. I thought, you know, like Steve and I agree that this interpretation of Gambit was really cool. I really liked that he did look ragged. He didn't look quite so debonair as we're used to seeing him. And it completely fits, right? Because he hasn't been smoking He hasn't been sleeping and he's just been on this search, on this investigation. And I think it works. It works for what the story's trying to do. It felt very kinda noir.
2: Yeah. Maybe that's without real like I never thought of it as a noir story. It it totally is and I really like that. Yeah, surprise noir. I don't know why I didn't like immediately go, Oh yeah, that's why I like this. Some of the some of the anatomy is just Stupid. There's a part, there's a panel where Remy's knee is like across the panel and the rest of him is at a completely different angle. And it's like, hey, hey, Gambit, did you break your leg? Because that's the only (laughs) way that this could work. However, it's, I don't know, it's dynamic in in a way that you, you look past that because, I don't know, Tim Sale can pull that off. Also, the era of it, you know, I was expecting more quips and stuff like that um this is you know mid-90s Gambit it was a little annoying the uh, Cajun accent written out like that you know <laughs> but uh, I looked past that once we kind of like dived into you know these these past relationships that these guys have had and they you know their torment and everything and I think it the fact that we had a, a past flirtatious relationship with Gambit that that stopped there that's as far as it got you know I think that made him more likable than in other iterations where it's like, well if there's a girl on panel with Gambit, then, you know, things will escalate. This this was, you know I don't know, he managed to keep it in his pants. I don't know how I don't know how to better say that, but it's, <laughs> it was it was like a better portrayal of the character, you know, showing that like, okay, he can be a good guy, you know, you know, like maybe we can team up with this cop, you know.
1: Yeah, he's like a gentleman thief. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's
2: just trying to you know, he nobody asked him to come over there right like he saw her name in the news and came over unless she called him once there were some murders and then he got involved i think well why would she i don't know he's <laughs> just trying to do the right thing by his friend and i thought that was good and and you know not really something we see a whole lot
1: i also really liked that part of the beginning where you can see that he's missing rogue right because he has that simulation uh-huh and he's not really coping with it in maybe the healthiest way <laughs> no no <laughs> But I think that's also an insight to the type of version of Cambit that we're going to be seeing for the rest of the book, right? Somebody who's not quite right at that moment in time, they're struggling with one relationship already, and they're going to go through this thing, right? Which kind of... Further spirals into the whole thing of him not smoking and not sleeping as he goes into this investigation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's, I think, I don't know. Again, it's very 90s in the sense that, you know, this is the phase where Gambit and Rogue are very will they, won't they, the height of the animated series. You know, kind of all of that stuff. And so that sort of dynamic is to be expected. Rogue's not in the story. Gambit pines after Rogue. But also it just like, I mean, maybe this is so much, the, or maybe this is just a result of the fact that this story is from Gambit's point of view. And we get a lot more internality with him. And it's an internality that, I don't know, it makes me think, and maybe this is the whole Gentleman Thief comparison, but it makes me think of the Lupin the Third movie, Castle of yeah. Caliostro, the, the one that was directed by Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. Lupin, John. We're talking anime again. So no, you know.
1: I know, I know, Lupin the Third. I wanna uh... just wanted just wanted to make sure you weren't confused because it is a French name. <sighs> Correct. And this is a Japanese anime. I I parlay the France... Hey.
0: At what point, John, in the many, many years that we have known each other, have you given any sign that you would know about the anime franchise Lupin the Third?
2: It's Miyazaki. It's like an entry-level, you know, anime. And it's... Fair enough. Sp- speaking of, it's speak- spoken of very highly by other, you know, I like other people who like anime besides just the two of you knuckleheads. You know, <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm aware of things. There are a lot of things that I haven't personally seen that I am aware of. <laughs> Gosh. I have weeb friends. <laughs> Some of my best friends are weebs. <laughs> no, that's actually like been on my list for a while like I need to like sit down and watch but see then then here's what happens. You say I'm gonna watch this movie, and then the Aldo comes into the station on the guilt train and says, "Well, you gotta, you know, you can't draw and watch the. You're not really seeing the movie if you're drawing while you watch it. And I will you know, say there's that. a subs, there's a subs versus dubs argument to be had because I like having subtitles, but also it's a it's a you know animated film, and so. Eh, you know, it's it's less as big of a deal, I think, but...
1: I will just say that for premiere animation, if you're not watching it, you're not watching it.
2: And you know what? That guilt made me watch Princess Mononoke with without any distractions whatsoever. Not even, like, I put my phone away. I wasn't, like, frantically going through and looking up all the, the movie... Trivia stuff like I normally do with with movies, you know. Mm-hmm. I experienced it as, as close to a theater experience as I could. Mostly and, so I could say, shut up and don't
1: judge me. <laughs> and isn't your life enriched but the more because of it? I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I like, I like drawing while I watch movies.
2: I don't think it's a terrible thing. But, but that's why I've been dragging my feet about watching Lupin the <laughs> Third.
0: The point... Which, if you remember, there was going to be one. The point is that this feels like the Castle of Cagliostro installment in the Lupin franchise. Because Lupin is, you know, in Castle of Cagliostro, he's not really doing his normal womanizing shtick. He is just trying to you know help out this girl he's being fairly altruistic he's being romantic except it's not even really romantic it's it's you know this is a, a someone who needs his help she's too young for him i think it's explicitly a actually where he like pushes her away because she's too young for him but he still feels this desire this need to to help her out and so obviously this isn't a perfect parallel because gambit definitely had a romantic relationship with this woman but it's not so much about satisfying his own ego as it is about serving this higher purpose and this higher cause both avenging this woman by solving the mystery of her death and by clearing his friend wolverine's name it's not a perfect story
1: the lack of parallels don't stop that there's no castle really here either none at all
0: and they're in england too
1: yeah yeah castle and castle (laughs)
0: This is the point where I, like, walk face-first into the joke and don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I agree also with Aldo's point that Arcade is not the right villain for this. And they try to put this, like, weird sort of, you know, ironic punishment on the end of the story where Arcade is trapped in the memories of this this woman that he killed, and it's not the best. It's fine. It also,
1: like... I don't know, Arcade's plan just feels a little, I don't know, for lack of a better word, dumb. Like, I murdered a person, <laughs> and now I have to cover it up with more murders. Well, he's, he his
2: whole thing, he's like, you know, like a jigsaw kind of guy, you know, where he can't just right. kill someone. You know, he, he has to, like, have a whole plan. He wants people to know how smart he is,
1: right? Right, but the point here is he's covering up, he's covering it up, so he's not really trying to send a message. There's really no theme to the people he's killing other than they're all women. Except for the one. Yeah, the one. That, yeah. That's my problem, is it feels like Arcade's involvement was a little lackluster.
0: Mm. A little bit. I agree.
1: I like Arcade. I think Arcade can be a fun villain. I just don't think this was necessarily a good choice for Arcade. I think you have plenty of other X-Men villains who probably could have fit the bill a little better.
2: Who'd you put in?
1: Like who? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I knew that question was asked. I had to get ahead of it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if I knew, I would have written this book. There, that's there you go.
1: Covered. Yeah, exactly, exactly.
2: No, I keep the, that. I don't know the, the line from Batman: The Animated Series. If you're so smart, how come you're not rich? Pops up in my head every now and again when I'm like,
1: I have an idea for something.
2: And this uh, this arcade kind of reminds me. If you're so
1: smart, why don't you run Twitter? <laughs> <laughs>
2: so <laughs> this just this version that's said to the riddler and this version of arcade maybe it's just that there there's a riddler in long halloween and yeah. hush and catwoman when in rome particularly like the way that he's drawn in in the tim sale you know books reminded me of arcade here kind of this like weak guy kind of you know relies on his wits but like physically like yeah he, he can't do much so but yeah this okay. is not a batman the animated series podcast yet
0: feels though and i think it, maybe it is just because it's lobe sale but this feels like a batman story a little bit like, this feels like a batman story a little bit and i'm not yeah. sure exactly what it is about it that makes me think that other than the, is it the modern noir <sighs> kind of it's something about arcade in particular maybe it's the fact that you know, half of his face is disfigured. Oh, so. the big Joker
2: smile! <laughs> he's he's several Batman villains in one. Mm-hmm. He kind of is. I'm not saying that's a, necessarily a bad thing. I don't know. I thought he was like okay as a villain in this. Well, at least I thought that until um, my fellow co-host said why that's dumb, and now I'm with you guys. You're totally, <laughs> totally right. Oh, but good. it doesn't
0: break the story, right? I think <laughs> no. The the fact that there's no real thematics. Uh, like link between our antagonist and our protagonists is what keeps this from being a hidden gem as it is it's just a good story you may never have read before
1: Mm -hmm. mm-hmm And honestly, if somebody did ask me for like a gambit book, absolutely recommend this one. I really would. It's just yeah. yeah, it's it that is just the thing that keeps it from being great, is I think literally just arcade. I think the stuff with Mastermind was interesting. It just feels like I don't know, maybe there just wasn't a better choice available or they couldn't figure one out for you know, instead of arcade. And that's the that's the thing too, right? Is the the way that this book is written, you could replace arcade with almost any character and the story wouldn't change all that much. Yeah. And that's, you know, I don't think that's necessarily a fault of, or I think that's maybe braced to the writing is the fact that that's kind of just what they have to work with. And the fact that it still is a good story, but it is just unfortunate. I think that is just kind of what keeps it from being like just a great book. There we go. So I think that's maybe where we, I don't know. Do we have anything else to say
0: about this story?
2: No, it's, it's kind of just like one and done. I, I, I liked getting, you know, the way that the, uh, you know, issues are broken up. We get in deeper into these two characters without resorting to the usual tropes that you expect from Gambit and Wolverine. And so, um, made me like him more, which I didn't know that you could, you know, do that. But
0: here we are. I'm going to push back a little bit. This is absolutely a, a Wolverine trope. Okay. Well, yes. But he's not like. <laughs> it's also probably a Gambit trope, too. <sighs> but it wasn't obnoxious. It's just a good version of the trope. It, yes. How about <laughs> that? It was well yeah. done.
1: One of my favorite things in this book. Is the part where Gambit is on the plane and he is looking at all of these murder evidence photos on the plane, and he's freaking out the little girl and the mom like sitting next to him? <laughs> <laughs> oh my <laughs>
0: gosh, I forgot about that. That scene is genuinely funny.
1: Yeah, the, yeah, especially for like a book that's uh, takes itself pretty seriously. That was a nice moment of levity.
0: Yeah, that that scene was genuinely very funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think the the bottom line is this is a story that you should read if you have never. Like if you want to read more about Gambit specifically, and maybe Wolverine, but specifically Gambit. Yeah. If you
1: want Gambit to have more depth, this is the book. Yep. Mm -hmm. And with that, I think we can move on. Yeah. Yeah. So the other book that we read was Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine, another team-up book between, uh, with Wolverine and now Spider-Man. This was written by Jason Aaron, pencils by Andy Kubert, inks by Mark Rosslyn and colors by Justin Ponser, letters by Rob Steen. So this book starts out with both Spider-Man and Wolverine not initially teaming up, and actually not really teaming up a whole lot for the first half of this book, as they are stopping a a bank heist for, like, Diamonds. And in the middle of this heist, they are transported back in time into, like, the... What was it? The Cretaceous era? Or, I don't know, the era where the dinosaurs died. Late Cretaceous. yeah, Cretaceous. And so they've been stuck in that time period for months it seems like wolverine is surprisingly clean shaven while spider-man is absolutely rocking the old crazy facial hair and he's been having visions of this woman he doesn't know he just knows what she looks like and as they are in the past wolverine has trained like these small folk who were supposed to like have died out naturally he's become their leader and helped them survive spider-man tells him like that was the bad idea like they should not be messing with time and while they're having this argument or like a repetition of this argument because they've had it a couple times it seems like the meteor that wipes out the dinosaurs arrives and wipes out the dinosaurs but transports the two of them into the future uh this future has been altered where the small folk that wolverine essentially trained and helped have now become the dominant species it seems like a lot of earth's history was pretty similar because there is like a museum for like captain america and the hulk Where I think it's specifically like there was another extinction event. And after that event happened, the small folk were able to kind of take their place in the hierarchy. Something like that. Point is, there's a devil dinosaur who's a giant robot. (laughs) And while they've been trying to figure out like how to, you know, how to time travel, how to get back and kind of fix these things. They've kind of made a little bit of peace being there. Spider-Man has become like a teacher and Wolverine is just hanging out in isolation because everybody thinks he's a messiah. Because he fits the descriptions of millions of millions of millions of years old myth about him helping the small folk survive. So he doesn't want to deal with that because he doesn't think he's a messiah. Uh, while this is happening, uh, Spider-Man has an interaction with the Orb, who I believe was present in the initial bank heist. And is asking them how they're, how they're time traveling or like what they're doing and to help him get back to his time. He is all eighties out with like muscles and a bandana, and he looks cool, kind of, for a guy with big eyeball. And he's taken away by the Minutemen of the TVA and while he was kind of telling Spider-Man that that's who's looking for them is the Minutemen. I forgot that there's the little matter of Doom having become Ego, the Living Planet, and is about to destroy the the world after this big apocalyptic event. And they find a Phoenix gun, or they find a Phoenix bullet. <laughs> Like a bullet that has the Phoenix Force essence in it. And so Wolverine takes that gun and shoots Doom the Living Planet with it. And kind of becomes the the Phoenix Force uh, or, you know, is imbued with that power. And then that's kind of when we find the people who are responsible for these. for the time traveling is these two characters named Sar and Big Murder. They have been kind of messing a little bit with them. Not a whole lot at this point. Uh, We find out that they are using these diamonds uh, to, you know, force things to time travel. These diamonds were present at the Pink Heist and they were embedded in the meteor. And at this point, they've punched them and they've punched them into the opposite character's, like, backstory. So Spider-Man sees, like, a young Wolverine who's kind of dealing with some familial stuff with, like, his brother. Wolverine gets sent back into spider-man's like beginnings as a luchador or as a wrestler and it's thrown into a wrestling ring from there they kind of figure out that uh well one they empathize with each other a little bit because like there's a pretty like sad moment where wolverine tells spider-man that he's gonna go rob this bank to leave him alone and peter parker's just like okay not, not my problem see ya, dude i'm just in it for wrestling he's like oh like are you gonna stop me he's like no that's kind of when he figures it out and he's like oh sorry about your uncle he doesn't actually say that, but, like, he just feels it, and he's just like, oh, dude, you're you're so happy and stuff right now, and oh, boy, that's gonna happen. So they kind of bump into uh, Zar and Mojo, who are these two time-traveling thieves, gangsters. We find out that they're kind of operating on behalf of Mojo, who has been using these kind of time-travel displacement as a TV show. We also find out that the visions of this woman is just some random girl that... Picked for Spider-Man to eventually have a love interest in later down the series. The TV series, not the comic series. But also, actually, yeah, the comic series. So they get into this fight with them. They figure out that that's what's going on. And at some point during that big fight, Wolverine is overtaken by the Phoenix Force. And Spider-Man literally talks him down. Talks him into stopping doing this. Not by like appealing to his better sense, but literally just by talking and talking nonstop until he's fed up with it part of this is that they also end up getting sent into the old west peter parker has one of the stones but it doesn't shine anymore doesn't glow doesn't have any power and so they're stuck in the old west wolverine spider-man and this girl sarah bailey and while they're hanging out there in the past wolverine kind of hangs out with the indigenous people it seems like he's just hanging out becoming one of them and peter parker has made you know web guns and solar power in the old west they've been there for a while peter parker's actually getting ready to propose to sarah bailey since she's been there and they've kind of you know been living together try to make the best of the situation that they're in they're about to be taken back to their timeline by the Minutemen, and the stone activates and so they are just taken back to kind of the point where it all started and peter parker's real sad because sarah doesn't remember anything and he fell in love and had like a real romance and life with her and now he's sad and that's the end of this story
0: <laughs> and now he's sad, and Peter now Parker he's sad.
1: <laughs> <Story>.
2: <laughs> i i forget how bonkers this story is with all the different things that go on but the way that it plays out is totally like okay now this is happening okay now this is happening now why is this happening and by the time you're like well, what on earth is causing all this to happen explanations come and um there's you know a, a neat way that like you know the bad guys are using these diamonds that can um throw people around in time and they're just screwing with them they go to the crusades and just like you know beat guys to death and it sends them like hundreds of years in all, all these different directions you know just, just cause I don't know, I really really liked this. This was a crazy book that I loved that he <laughs> starts off with if I go talk to Wolverine he's going to kill me and then he's like, Hey Spider-Man, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and like you realize like, oh yeah, he would hate like talking to Spider-Man and like they they are, you know, constantly on teams together, but here they're stuck together and yeah, they, they would rub each other the wrong way.
1: So I read this book back like when it actually when it came out, I have all of the single issues, actually. Actually, I had I gave them away because I had read it. I liked it, and then a few years later, I revisited it. Did not enjoy it for some reason, and I think it's even to this day though the the, the way Czar and Big Murder are portrayed, it feels a little stereotypical. <laughs> mm.
0: You can use the R word. Yeah, it's allowed. It feels a it's little a little racist. racist. Yeah. It's a little racist.
1: And I think that rubbed me the wrong way enough that I was just like, I don't like this book. And so now that I'm rereading it, I'm like, the story actually is good. Like, it's fun. I hate that this was kind of in an era where we wanted to make, you know, Spider-Man sad all the time for some reason. Like, we couldn't let him have a marriage. Uh, Yeah, so so on this reread, I was a little bit more positive on it than on my second or my first reread of it. What did you think, Steve? Yeah,
0: so this book makes me mad. Oh. It makes me mad because there are so many things in it that are really cool. The, the gun that shoots the Phoenix Force. Robot devil dinosaur. Uh-huh. I like Mojo. I weirdly like Mojo. I don't know why I like Mojo. Because most of the stories that I read Mojo in, he's not actually very good. But I like Mojo. I like when he shows up. But there are two things in the story that really rub me the wrong way. One of them is Big Murder and Czar. I, like, that's racist. It just, it is. That's racist. The, the, The second thing is the love interest. Like, just because you hang a lampshade on the fact that it's not an organic introduction to this character, that doesn't make it better. And... It irritated me. You just need to do more to, like, set this... Up. Narratively, it's just very unfulfilling to have this character's appearance be this grand cosmic joke by Mojo. That doesn't play to what the character of Mojo is. It doesn't play to the aspects of the character of Mojo that I find interesting and yes i find aspects of the character of mojo interesting i'm allowed to i know it's weird
1: <laughs> <laughs> i don't think we were gonna fight you on that but okay yeah
2: yeah resident mojo apologist steven always known for his hot takes
0: on mojo
2: <laughs> yeah i don't know how he normally appears because i can't recall a time where i had mojo in the comics um been seeing him a lot Long shot. in uh, marvel uh snap um i don't know if You are all still addicted, it sounds like you may be, but...
0: Actively playing as we speak. Yep, there you go. he (laughs)
2: It's only an okay card, because it's, you know, you can counteract it, but... Yeah. This was... What year was this again, Aldo, when this came out? 2011. So not terribly long ago.
0: No. Not necessarily... Literally 12 years ago.
2: Yeah, well, I'm a thousand, so 12 is nothing to me. (laughs) Um...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Time dilation be real, yo.
2: Yeah, no kidding. No, time is, uh, you know, what? Did, how did you put time
0: is uh, time absolute is BS? Thing. Yeah, yeah, absolute BS. Watch That's it fly by as the pendulum swings. Watch it count down until the end of the day. The clock ticks life away. It's so unreal. Sorry. Terrible. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to line up
2: Mojo's attitude and everything. Like, Did this go along with like a surge in reality TV? I don't think it
1: did. I don't think it does, but I think that's always been Mojo's, sh- sh- like, shtick, is that he's mm-hmm. been kind of... Not a fourth-wall breaker, necessarily, because I think sometimes he is. But I think in this aspect, he's always been, like, a multi-dimensional, multi-universal, like, TV-obsessed producer type. Real creep. Just, yeah. Real
2: creep. A, he's got a scary look.
1: Yeah, I didn't mind the whole Sarah Bailey thing as much. I don't like the ending of it. I think that's the thing that rolls me the wrong way, is the fact that she... Of the three characters is the one that doesn't remember anything. Mm. Granted, I feel like that might be because I think it's Spider-Man and Wolverine that get sent back by the stone. But she probably got sent back by the TV or the Minutemen. So like that would explain that. But I don't like that it just kind of ends with her not even like a hint of remembering anything. Like I think that would have maybe softened it up a little bit. But I think the whole thing about it kind of being like this cosmic joke to me, it feels like that tracks, at least with the mojo in here. You know, she's planned... She was planned to be a love interest that would be introduced down the road.
2: She gets a moment where she recognizes herself in the advertisement for this, um, uh, like, museum uh, exhibition of this, these ancient artifacts, this ancient art. And they, you know, had that hinted at in the uh, first issue, you know, as the heist is going on. So I don't know if that's, like always been part of the timeline now or something but i don't know if that was it could have been like oh yeah i remember everything now but it was just huh there's my face 65 million year old rocks that's that's wild
1: yeah but also yeah the whole i mean i don't want to hang on to that too long but man the whole thing with Cesar and big murder just feels like a weird decision Mm. it sucks And I know it gets justified, like, a little bit later. Not even justified, right? We just get a little bit of a backstory of how they become involved with it. Surprise, they were drug dealers. Yeah. Guess what? They were gangsters the whole time. They don't just look like gangsters. They are. And I don't know. I didn't like it. I didn't like the the fact that, like, they have their own, like, out-of-time like space house mansion thing where they have a harem of like the hottest women from history welcome to watch mojo's top 10 hottest women from (laughs) history list (laughs) number five will surprise you i don't know that felt a little just the the decisions around those two carriages just felt really i don't know who made that decision i mean i do know it was jason aaron right (laughs) so disappointing
2: it seems like he's a better writer than that. Now, I did like yeah. the, because pa- the, we get other time travel stories where past and future and present versions of people talk to each other. And we get, you know, uh, versions of them being like, hey, watch out too late for things to happen like you know uh, they try to come and warn of an attack and they're already too late and then yeah. another version pops in like you know czar's like there's a present there's a, a far far future and then there's a slightly more in the future version you know different ages different hairstyles all kind of like you know mm-hmm. pointing the blame at each other that's entertaining that you know fun there's got to be a better way to like make a gangster without resorting to like, well, he's got a grill and that's where his time travel diamonds are. And you know, like, eh.
1: I will say that the thing I did like about that interaction is I like that the old czar shows up. Right. And I didn't Mm -hmm. pay attention to it, but he has that metal arm. Uh And then, and then he tells them, you know, don't get this fight, blah, blah, blah. And then Wolverine and well, if something bad's going to happen, uh, you know, why didn't anybody come warn me? shows up the old man right and tells him you know don't get in this fight blah 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 gets his hand cut off by wolverine and then like the middle-aged star shows up and he's like hey bro oh oh i'm too late yeah and
0: that's part of why i say that this makes me mad is because there's some genuinely like weird cool funny stuff that happens with these characters and uh it's just all wrapped up in this vaguely offensive stereotype Mm -hmm. that Like, I I don't know, I've heard a lot of people say that it is silly to get offended on behalf of someone else, and Mm -hmm. I agree with that sentiment, but Mm -hmm. still, it's irritating.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are still things that are objectively racist, and I feel like this, this portrayal is, and I don't know that I would say I'm mad on behalf of, you know, all of my black brothers and sisters, including my roommate, but... (laughs) I feel like a better choice could have been done. Because it, it kind of feels like there's no real reason for this, right? Other than there were gangsters who, you know, looked to this into this thing. But even then, I think there's other ways to do gangsters. I, get, I think that's one of those things that maybe keeps this book, at least for me, it keeps it from being, you know, like a timeless book. Yeah. Ironically yeah. enough. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Time travel. haha. <laughs>
2: <laughs> French class. Yeah. This kind of reminded me of the things that I liked about oh shoot what's to what story is that it's a time traveling team and it's it's not high on our list but i still like it anyway i gotta pull up the google doctor who yep there you go yep (laughs) you know you know me i like my uh time traveling english people no exiles Exiles, thank you. I was Die. like, it has some kinda I liked that you know, that, that time hopping aspect of it. It was fun. I liked seeing Spider Man's beard. No. I liked seeing, you know, how they would how they reacted and they interacted with each other in these different environments, you know, like uh, I love that uh, Wolverine tried to get the people that were worshipping him to figure out beer. And by the time he shows up in the future, they had done it and he's like, That's a great IPA. Good job. Oh,
1: I love the fact that they're like, here's the sacred drink, and it's an (laughs) IPA. Which I mean, I know I know that Wolverine is like this kind of like not redneck, but he's kind of like this lowbrow character, really. I hate that he likes IPAs. IPAs are gross.
2: (laughs) I thought that just, I thought that because it was like a homebrew kind of thing, that's that's why it was an IPA. Probably. I would have. Listen, Wolverine is not a hipster trying to get like some like micro brew kind of like, oh yeah, you know, he's, he's going he's gonna to drink whatever is closest and whatever is wet. You know, he's not going to be picky.
1: If I was going to identify Wolverine as any sort of beer fan, I would have imagined him being a lager fan. Mm. I feel like Wolverine would love like Corona's and this. I feel like that would have been his drink, or maybe I'm just projecting. (laughs) You really want him to be a
2: lager fan? I do. (laughs) I just figure he's like Walter Matthau in uh, Bad News Bears, where, like, it doesn't matter. He's just gonna, like, whatever is handy. Like, he doesn't have his one, like, brew of choice. Now, I mean, he's been around so long, we're gonna find, like, the, you know, the wolverine loves coors light tie in at some point and be like oh we're we wrong about his preferred brand but you know i think he'll just drink whatever's closest
1: also like another i mean there's a few like really good moments in here like uh steven previously mentioned the the phoenix gun i like
0: phoenix gun is such a good idea it it makes me mad
1: i also like the fact that spider-man gets a new costume from going to like the superhero museum spider-man as i guess a historical (laughs) figure is put in the lamest hero section, which is rude. Why would you do that? But also,
0: <laughs> why do you even have that section? That's exactly yeah. <laughs> what I'm
1: saying. Also, I, I get, I get, like, why you would like as a civilian in the Marvel universe, you would think so. But a bit of a bummer that Squirrel Girl is also in the lame hero section. This yeah. was pre
0: Squirrel Girl Renaissance.
1: Yeah, I know. Um, but still, she defeated Thanos. That
2: is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did have a question that came up. How cool is um, Doom the Living Planet?
0: Good idea. Good I idea. think
2: that's super dope. I thought it was a really cool visual. I thought, of like, of course he would, like, try to make this a, a thing, you know. Really liked that. I thought that was super cool and, it, like, great way to have a, you know. I think it ended up being a three-page
1: spread, if I read it mm-hmm. correctly. Yeah, super dope.
2: Really liked that.
1: Also on one of the covers, like the visual of him pointing the gun at the camera with like the Phoenix Force logo on it. Yeah. yeah. Real good. Real good. I also like the little joke at the end where that you know they're back in like their current timeline or or whatever. And it kind of <laughs> it kind of pants well, not pants, but it kind of goes to the other characters. And like you see Hank McCoy, you know, tinkering around, and he's just like, huh maybe i should make a phoenix gun and then like it cuts over the dude (laughs) who just has a picture of eagle the living planet and he's just like looking at it like pensively he's like "Mm, not a bad idea
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i loved that little hank mccoy shout out yeah good art throughout as (laughs) well i loved that uh spider-man in the late cretaceous managed to make himself a really cool treehouse and that mm-hmm. Wolverine was just like, well, I'm king of the little people or the small folk or whatever. <laughs> you know, he was just like, I'm going native and I'm going to, you know, yeah, uh, get away from Spider-Man. You know, I like that in the future, he's just like, well, I'm going to go fight robots so I don't get worshipped. Like, it's just, you know, whatever Whatever is happening to them, they, you know, still remain true to themselves. I like that. And then really enjoyed seeing them kind of um, get to experience each other's history like that you know
1: that was like that was a pretty good moment
2: yeah mention of wolverine's brother and then we get to see that moment or well we know it but spider-man gets to see that moment it's like oh oh shoot that's this is rough uh
1: wolverine yeah sorry about that so we we haven't read the Wolverine origin miniseries, have we? I don't wanna...
0: Not for the... (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's not good.
2: It's not good at all. I don't... He's Logan. uh, James Howlett. I don't know who that is. That's not my Wolverine. (laughs) If we're gonna
1: be like that.
2: Hashtag
0: not my Wolverine. Yep, yep, yep.
1: (laughs) Oh, we're gonna see that hashtag a whole lot in the coming years, I feel like. Uh, mm Mm-hmm. So... Oh, boy. But... Yeah, we
0: don't really,
2: and, and this kind of, I don't know what this ties into, I forget, but we do get, like, Dog, his brother, like, pops out of the past um, at the end, kind of like a, you know, a little end stinger there.
1: I don't think this ties into anything, I think this is pretty standalone.
0: Yeah, it doesn't,
1: like... I don't think that was ever a follow-up, yeah. Okay. I don't have much else to say.
0: I have nothing else to say, I think we've covered everything.
2: Yeah, I think we covered its faults, and uh, interesting to see where it falls on our ranking.
0: Currently on our list, we have 228 stories. Highest ranking Wolverine story. Ugh. I mean, as an X-Man, maybe the Dawn of X prelude, number 12. That's the House of X, Powers of X by Jonathan Hickman and etc. Because it's a huge creative team. Really good story. Closest oh, Wolverine story to the bottom is probably... Uh, oh, it's the Draco. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think let's give a special mention to Ultimate Wolverine vs. Hulk at, ish, at number 222.
1: Another book with a harem.
0: Yep. <laughs> Particularly bad. Yeah. Boy. Boy, a lot of bad stories have harems in them. Uh, so anyway, where do we rank these stories? I don't think either of them go to either extreme, but let's let's start with victims. Wolverine Gambit, victims.
2: Where's our, our highest Tim sale is what? Uh, Daredevil Yellow, probably? I think that might be our only Tim sale. Searching. Number 33. Have we not read uh, Spider-Man Blue yet?
1: No.
0: No, we have not.
2: Oh, guys. Guess what we're going to do sometime soon. Maybe maybe next Valentine's. <laughs> I I think this is not as high as that, Daredevil Yellow, but I don't think it's
0: much lower. I think it's probably quite a bit lower, actually.
1: Unfortunately, I agree.
0: I don't think it gets down to like the bad part of the list, but I do think it's... I don't know. I, I think the the arcade stuff keeps this from being super high, but it is enjoyable. I might rank it above the Rogan Gambit story, which is at number ninety eight currently. Yeah, that's a good floor because that's our other like kind of gambit. That's that's definitely the floor. I don't think I don't know how much higher than that it goes, but I think that's our floor. Hmm. Well, I just saw King
2: Dynasty, which that that is the sort of Damocles spaceship, right? King
0: Dynasty. Kang Dynasty is sort of Damocles spaceship, yes. Well that's our ceiling. That's I, I <laughs> that I mean, is rad. I actually think I agree with that. <gasps> and I say that as someone who doesn't like Kang Dynasty as much as you two do.
1: I'm I'm
2: excited.
0: I I got my tickets for
2: Quantumania. I want to see Kang on the big screen.
1: Uh I told my roommate about the sword Damocles and the fight, and he was like I was like, yeah, the sword Damocles is like his ship that he rides. Like that's the sword. And then he also has a sword. That's not the sword Damocles, but you know he's crashing into earth blah 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 he's like that's lame and I was like i hate that oh man
2: <laughs> hey friends don't badmouth other friends
1: sort of Democles. <laughs> yeah what numbers were you guys looking at sorry
2: between 98 and 73 somewhere in this you know oh, area okay Ugh, and i think thor's battle wor- i don't know yeah i think i don't know thor's battle world for some reason like it started at number five. It's such an early book that we read. It's down at eighty-eight now. Uh, I really like Thor's Battle World.
1: Uh, see, and I think this is actually surprisingly comparable to Thor's Battle World in the sense that they're both a little bit of you know mysteries, murder mysteries. Mm, I would put this maybe above Thor's Battle World, if anything, uh-huh. because of the art. I think the art is more interesting. But I mean, look at the creative team. That's true. That's true. I don't know. Put it. Put it above Thor's Battle World.
0: I. I think that might be good. John,
1: any other input? Uh,
0: I don't know. Actually, if we put it above Thor's Battle World, I'd want to put it above A-babies versus X-babies, I think.
2: Well, and then going, I would put it above Galaxy's Best Detective.
1: I would put it above the Gwenpool Holiday Special.
2: And United States of Captain America has some really good stuff to it, but like it,
1: I don't think it's as good
2: of a story.
1: Yeah, but I wouldn't put this above the Spider-Man Civil War stuff. Oh, uh,
2: well, that's 50... well, I'm sorry,
1: 84... Yeah, I
2: think that's a good point. That the Spider-Man part of uh, Civil War, um, yeah, that's some that's some heavy stuff. I think that that's, that that might be the our ceiling. That might be as high as this goes. Then when compared with that, okay,
0: I I don't hate it. Let's put it at the new eighty-five then.
1: Okay.
2: Now, do we think this other story, this Jason Aaron story, goes higher? I would guess that's the consensus.
1: I would put it lower, really? not a whole lot lower. I think emotionally, I think Wolverine and Gambit is probably a better emotional story.
2: Well, I I didn't think I was the only Sarah Bailey fan out there, but here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Got a soft spot for Sarah Bailey, but I guess it's not enough. I wonder if she's Sarah Bailey because of George Bailey because of uh, It's a Wonderful Life. He ran a a banking institute. That's a weird leap to make. Bailey is a normal person name.
0: Yeah, 100%.
2: I just, you know, hey, if you're going to name someone in banking. So where do we put this, guys? Let's just start. She was talking about bank tellers.
1: Okay, so... (sighs) I would put this above Modox 11. You know what? You know what? My ceiling... Okay, never mind that. My ceiling is Mary Jane and Black Cat. Oh, oh, Mary Jane and Black
0: Cat's a little higher than that. I was actually looking a little lower. Like, to me, this is weirdly on par with that Moon Knight story where he has all the different personalities.
1: Like, above it or below it? Um
0: i would maybe put it like right above it
1: yes okay i i would push that up i
2: i'd put it higher too
1: i would put that maybe under vampire state
2: see i like it better than children's crusade but i think that was one that aldo likes or was it just
1: one that you had brought to the i do like children's crusade i think i'm the one who likes it the most yes yeah thank you (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: yes that was that was in fact you you are the one who liked it. You are the only one who liked it. I'm being mean now. <laughs> the rest of us have taste, he says.
1: Not the rest of us.
0: <laughs> Some of the rest of us.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, Steven woke up and
0: chose violence. I'll watch the anime. You oh, you suck.
2: Gosh. <laughs> I'm not against it. It's just a lot to get through. There's no beginner's guy that's just like, well... Um, cancel your plans, you gotta watch all of it How much of it? All of it Oh, but what about the stuff that's not so good? Doesn't matter, gotta know
1: it Okay, I'll be on my couch John, in my defense, I don't think we've recommended you to watch Any bad shows or movies
2: I'm still mad about Fruits Basket Which I was um, um, Had to watch with you two uh, Gentlemen
1: <laughs> Anyway, so where should we put Wolverine and Spider-Man?
0: <laughs> I'm fine with After Vampire State Okay, let's do it. So that's the new number 96.
2: I'd actually put it above MODOX 11, but, you know, democracy being what it is.
1: I would put it above Vampire State. Yeah? Well,
2: that's better. All
1: right. Steering. New 95? Done.
0: All right. New 95. New number... New number so Okay, so right where... Uh, fine. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Mambo 95.
0: <laughs> it's fine. Let's do it. It's fine.
1: little bit of Peter by my side. A little bit of Sarah Bailey. Little bit of So next time, the next,
0: the next episode that we have, the next time we record, we are going to revisit the Ultimates universe for some reason.
1: You're that reason. Yeah, let's... I guess I'm that reason. <laughs> <laughs> Let the record show
0: when the trial
2: commences that this was uh, Stephen's idea.
0: Correct, I suppose. <laughs> no, I did say,
2: hey, this is probably not going to be very great. You know what that'll do? Be good podcast fodder. So here we are.
0: So we're going to be reading Ultimates number two, volume two, the second Ultimates story. Why are we reading it? I don't know exactly why. This is the cross that we have chosen to bear for whatever reason. We're going to read this really ridiculous, I don't know. I just remember getting so mad at Ultimates one. So, you know, it's 12 issues. That's all we can stomach. It's all we're doing. Hoo boy. Hoo boy. But anyway, yeah, that's what we're doing next. Should be
1: fun. I don't know. Any closing words, fellas? I'm really excited to see Kang get into a fistfight with Ant-Man. Yeah, I don't know how Ant-Man can beat him. I mean, Kang is just like a man. Like, he's not a super soldier. He's kind of super, but like... I don't know.
2: Having if... Okay, look. Listen. Listen. Have you seen the trailers? And I know that I normally don't watch trailers, but this was just like unavoidable. Uh, the trailers for Creed 3. Oh, yeah. Good gracious uh yeah um Jonathan Majors is pretty super. he's pretty good in Heart harder they fall. I don't know what else I've seen him in now that I say that um, good God Loki gracious. obviously, but uh, he his muscles have muscles in that Creed trailer. I don't know I, like like not since you know Captain America pulled a, a helicopter down with his biceps has it been like huh you know he might actually be superhuman it's it is
1: insane. How, how, like, ripped he is. So, are you saying that good gracious Jonathan Majors is bodacious? Uh, Yes, yes, I am. Yeah,
2: (laughs) (laughs) I have to just kind of just like uh uh huh, uh huh. Yeah, (laughs) muscles on muscles, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think he can squash squash Ant Man, is what I'm saying.
1: Ah, because he's an ant man, Uh
2: because he's a bug. You see, Uh, he's gonna uh get out his big magnifying glass and just go to town.